My name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, uh, and we're grateful that you're here this morning, uh, not because um, it's just great to see you all wearing a little bit nicer clothes. Yes, I am wearing a tie. This will be the only time of the year that you'll see it. Um, but because we're going to celebrate the one thing that makes us who we are. Ultimately, there there is nothing without the resurrection, and that's what we're going uh, to talk about today. We're finishing up our series called For You and this reality that Christ was raised for us. And without that, we are to be pitied. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. I um, pray in spite of me that your word would be heard, that your word uh, would be received, that you would let the power of your word, Lord, your word says that it will not return void. So, Lord, we just pray right now that your word would encourage us to be engaged with the living God who raised from the dead to give us life. And so, Lord, we just pray for that this morning as we read through your word, that you would challenge us to be your men and women, that we would live in freedom, that we would change our world, not by our effort or our energy, but by your power that lives in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just tell you this morning that the story isn't over. Anybody glad that the story isn't over? Has there been periods of your life that you're like, oh my gosh, my story is over because something has happened or this has happened or, you know, maybe you filed bankruptcy. Maybe, you know, your world comes crumbling around you. Uh, my world almost ended uh, my, let's see, my second senior year of college. Anybody else in here? Hey, just me. Thanks. I uh, was a elementary education major and had um, gone all this way to get to this point and, and literally almost had a nervous breakdown, was ready to drop out of school and like, I, I don't want to do this. And uh, I remember in that moment when I'm meeting with my guidance counselor and the teacher that I'm doing my student teaching with and I'm, I'm in tears and I'm not a crier for those that know me, but I'm like, I've just lost it. And let me just tell you, um, let's see, we're almost 20 years that was 99 I graduated from Appalachian State. Uh, 20 years later, uh, the story still continues. And that's what I want to talk about this morning is regardless of where you're at, regardless of where you feel you're at right now, the story, if you're living and breathing, the story is still moving forward. And that story doesn't move forward. That story doesn't have the meaning that it has without the cross being pivotal, but it doesn't happen without the resurrection. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 19. It says, and this is Paul talking about the resurrection. It says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some say that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there's no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and our faith is in vain. We even found uh, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testify about God that he was that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. If it is true that the dead are not raised for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And listen to this in verse 19. If in Christ we have hope 
in this ver- in this life only, meaning if all we have is like, and, and sometimes we'll say this, like, well, at least in this life I will live a good life and I will do good things. The reality is, even in this life, if our hope is only here, we of all people must be pitied. Without the resurrection... There is no point to this. There is no point in singing together. There is no point in studying the scripture. There is no point in anything with the resurrection. It is the one thing that for centuries people have been trying to pick apart because they know that if they can eliminate, if they can prove that the resurrection did not happen, then there is nothing for us to celebrate in. There is no truth. He is literally just a crazy person that spouted off Crazy things because he told them that he would come back. If the resurrection is true, then the ramifications are monumental. They're monumental in our life and in our towns and in our story. Let us look at the resurrection for what it is that Jesus for. Let us look at the resurrection for what it is that Jesus wasn't a crazy, false prophet. He was proof of God's love. His love is what we are responding to this morning. Not a religious holiday to be remembered out of tradition, but as a continued proof that God came, that God still pursues, that he will go to any length to purchase back us, you, to wholeness. And so where we're going to pick up is... Just a chapter and a half from where we were last week, we're going to be in Luke 24, 1 through 12, talking about the resurrection. But as we get there, let's just, so last week we talked about that Jesus was condemned for us, that he had to take the penalty for us. He, he didn't try to get out of it. He didn't try to maneuver his way. He took it completely. He, he, he said to him, to everyone else, there's nothing that's going to waylay him from grow, going to the cross. And so, He was arrested. The trial would happen. The disciples had been scattered. And their hopes and dreams, their story ended with the death, at least at this point, with the death of Jesus, their hopeful conquering king. It's really hard to conquer anything from the grave. There is no routing of the Roman Empire. There is none of that. Their, their hope is gone and the story seemed to be over. And they fled with their lives. But the story isn't over. And let me just tell you, if, if you don't have hope for this, I have hope for it. Uh, that your story isn't over. Luke 24, starting in verse 1. And it was crazy. And I know we're, we're the people that look 2,000 years ago through this historical uh, evidence that's outside of the Bible and what's in the Bible. And we look through this lens of like, of course he's going to come out of the grave. We didn't come to church this morning wondering, will Jesus still be in his tomb or not? Where his disciples and Mary and Martha and everyone else was expecting him to still be there. And that's where we picked up, pick up in verse 1. But on the first day of the week, 
at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking spices they had prepared. Why are they taking spices? This isn't like a party that they're getting ready to like mix up some herbal tea and, and have a celebration for Jesus coming out of the tombs. These were spices to finish the preparation of his body for his burial. They were going there expecting to find the tomb still filled with the body of Jesus. Verse 2, they found, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Surprise! Like, I think in Mark specifically, I was trying to find the count, but there's lots, you know, the synoptic gospels, it's, you know, it's hard to see. Four to five times, he said that he was going to have to die. He tells them this. He, he tells them very early on, I mean, very close to the, uh, the cross, that he himself is going to have to go back into Jerusalem. He himself is going to have to die. He himself is going to have to, three days later, raise from the dead. He tells them this. But there's still surprised when he isn't there. Verse 4, it says, While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. That's why we dress up on Easter. (laughs) Scriptural proof for why you wear a tie on Easter. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. I was going to bejewel this last night, but I ran out of time. Verse 5, it says, as they were frightened, they bowed their faces to the ground and the men said to them, listen to this, why do you seek the living among the dead? Great question. He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day, raise, rise. He told them. Verse 8. <laughs> and they remembered his words. It's kind of like your children. You know, you tell them, you tell them, and, you know, after they're in trouble, oh, I do remember now. They, they remembered his words after these men in dazzling clothes tell them, not with expectation that Jesus would not be in the tomb that morning. And returning from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary uh, Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. In verse 11, but these words seemed to be them an idle tale and they did not believe. So it wasn't just the women who missed this. They were actually there. You know, they were told first, which is very significant. I don't have time to go into that. But they go back to the disciples who heard with their own ears, just like they did, that Jesus would come back. And and they tell them, we just went to the tomb. It is empty. These angels appeared to us in dazzling clothes. And they told us, he is risen. And they're like, oh, I don't know about that. They still aren't believing. But Peter, verse 12, it says, but Peter rose and ran to the tomb. And one of the other gospels, which I love, like he and John, I think it was, ran and and, uh, one of them beat him there. The one that God loved the most. I guess he had been training for his marathon and he had no trouble getting there before Peter. 
<clears throat> anyway. Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stopping to look in, and he saw that the linen clothes by themselves, meaning no body. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Marveling, he's still unaware. Like, he's mar- oh gosh, man, this man who rose four people from the dead now, including himself, they marveled that he would do what he said he was going to do. They marveled. In verse 36, um, verse 36, it says, as they were talking about these things, so they're, they're together and they're like, oh my gosh, so we were, I've skipped the Emmaus road, sorry. Um, they're sitting there talking about what has gone on because other people have had sightings of Jesus. In verse 36, it says, they were talking about these things. Jesus himself stood among them. Other gospels that, you know, that they're talking about these things in a locked room. When someone appears in a room that is locked, and you know it's locked, it's scary, right? Like, we're not talking about, like, magic, that there's an illusion, that guy's been hiding under the cabinet the whole time. We're talking about Jesus appeared, and Jesus himself stood among them, and he said to them, peace to you. Verse 37, it says, they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. Now, Jesus needed to make sure they understood, and this is what's getting ready to happen, that they didn't think that this is just an apparition, that this is just a spirit of Jesus. They needed to understand that the resurrection, just like Jesus said, has happened. And he says, see my hands and my feet. That it is I myself touch me and see for the spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed him his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved. Let me just tell you, like, it's okay. I think some of us in this life in faith of following Jesus, we struggle with disbelief. Like it's 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 a natural thing to do. The, the disciples who are seeing the dead, because at least one of them witnessed his death there with the mother of Jesus, witnessed his death, probably followed him to the tomb, saw him sealed in, and he is now still thinking in disbelief. They're they're touching his hand, and while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them. Have you anything here to eat? He's still showing, I have brought myself back from the dead. And they gave him some uh, pieces of broiled fish, and he took them and ate them before them. In verse 44, then he said to them, these are my words that I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Which they were. That's the beauty of this. I mean, it's one thing, and I don't, this is not the Sunday, and there's, we've done a sermon on, you know, the, uh, he is either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. There is no other option for us to look at Jesus. We cannot say he is a good and wise moral teacher because he claimed to be God. So we cannot have any other reality other than he is who he said he is. And he's proven that 
for these words that they had studied hundreds of years before this moment that he walked right into him. He did exactly. He was born where he said that he was going to be born to who he said he was going to be born to. And he did these things that they proclaimed years and years in advance. And then in verse 45, it says, Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things and behold, I am sending the promise Of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He's telling them the story isn't over. The beauty of today isn't that we're just celebrating this event. We're celebrating an event that started something brand new. It didn't start a church. It started a movement. It started, it, it ushered in the kingdom of God that is bringing freedom to those that have been bound. And he is telling his disciples, which if you are a son or daughter of Christ right now, he is telling you that the story isn't over for you. And it's not over for those that are in your city. Like he literally told them, start here. Let me just tell you on a side note, you don't have to go. You can go. This is not a proclamation that don't go on the foreign mission field. You don't have to go overseas to be in missions. You can literally do it from your neighborhood, from across the street, and it starts here. And so what I want to do as we close today, as we remember what God has done, I'm going to read. I have three more scriptures, one in 1 Corinthians at the end of what I read just a second ago, uh, one in John 11 and one in Romans 10. Because it is one thing for us to read these and go, yes, those are good things. Like, yes, this is cool that Jesus raised from the dead. It's one thing to acknowledge it as something that has happened. It is another thing completely to put your trust in this reality, to put your trust in the resurrection, to let the story of God be your story that you're participating in, that you're saying, God, I'm here. I am yours. Here's the first one. First Corinthians 15, verse 56. It says, for the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Your victory from that moment, your victory from whatever is going on in your life right now isn't going to come from somewhere else. It's going to come through the victory that Jesus gives us through this. Like if we could deal with sin, if we could battle and defeat sin, someone would have done it already. There isn't. There isn't a way for us to deal with the reality of our own sin outside of Jesus. Listen, here's his words in John 11, um, verses 25 and 26. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is him talking beforehand. This is him proclaiming what is to be. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
whoever believes in me. He's not saying, and in this belief word here, he's not saying whoever claims this truth. Like whoever says, yes, Jesus did, but whoever believes, belief is something else. Belief moves us to action. Belief doesn't just go, oh, yes, I, I you know, well, because I grew up in church my entire life thinking, yes, of the realities of who Jesus was. Yes. But there was no belief in the sense that I have surrendered to Jesus. He said, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Death is terrifying if it's unknown. Death is not terrifying if we understand that our death has been purchased. This is what Jesus is saying. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I'm going to call our worship team back up. Whoever believes in me. And here's my question for you this morning. And and really, I want to change it from this, like, not who acknowledges the truth, but who believes. So my question is, is that you? The Bible says that even the demons believe, even the demons know the reality of who Jesus is, but that is not their salvation. And if not, what's stopping you? Like, what changes? I think the thing that you see, the picture that you see all through the New Testament, what's getting ready to happen after the Gospels into the early church, the thing that you see is you see 11, forgive me, screwed up, flawed guys who do lots of really dumb things. We've talked about them in here over and over again. Jesus forgiving, restoring, forgiving, restoring, forgiving, restoring. What changed from the disciples, and they weren't perfect afterwards, but what changed from the disciples of the four Gospels to the disciples of the rest of the New Testament? The resurrection changed. The Holy Spirit, the promise from the Father changed because they were unable, even in the presence of God, Unable to be what God had called them to be until Jesus took the sacrifice, became it for them, proved that he was able and capable to give them these things that he's promised, raised from the dead, showed himself to them and told them to wait. Because I'm going to send you the one thing that is going to make you able to be my Disciples to change my world. Here's the la- or our world. Here's the last scripture. Romans 10, 9. It says, if we confess, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Listen to this in verse 10. It says, for the heart of. For with the heart one believes and is justified, 
And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. This is our reality. There, there's nothing else. There, we, we are not a civic organization. We are not, uh, I mean, we do social justice. But our one mission as a church is declaring who Jesus is. And calling people to trust and believe. To speak it, to believe it in their heart, and to use the rest of their life, just like the disciples, to change their world. And so as we close out today, as we go into our last worship song, let's worship different. I think sometimes we forget that the story is still going on. We feel like, yes, Jesus has done it, and I can just float and skate and, and, and do whatever, and I'll, he'll he'll. He'll maintain me till the end and then I'll die and then I'll be with him in heaven forever. And we forget the reality that God has called us here to work here. There is the story is still going. There's people in our city that need what we proclaim to have. So let's live like what we proclaim to have is actually in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is by your grace and mercy that we even have the opportunity to submit and surrender to you. And so, Lord, we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would do what I am unable to do. That you, through your word, would proclaim what your son has done. That you would call people into your kingdom. That you would call your disciples to up their game. To to be the men and women that you have designed them to be. And so, Lord, we pray right now in Jesus' name that as we close this service as we worship that we would proclaim the truth of who you are and that truth would change us it would change our world it would change our life it would change our families and lord right now we just pray that you would do what only you can do lord receive our worship we pray these things in jesus name amen